Welcome back to episode 7 of the Rosetti and Stewart podcast. I'm Justin Stewart, joined alongside, of course, by Antonio Rosetti. We're coming from the Center for Media Innovation here at Point Park University. We're recording on this lovely Tuesday. You know, it's still spring, apparently. Sometimes I can't tell because I feel like it's winter. I don't know about you, Tony, but how are you doing today? I'm doing great, uh, like you were saying about the whole entire, if you don't know if it's spring or winter. It snowed today, and it's April 19th. Yes, it is April 19th. Yeah, so almost over in April. Last year, I was already on the trail like 20 times. This year, I'm not. I'm still in full bulk mode, so... If you want to listen to our show, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube as well. Let's get into it. Let's talk about the Golden State Warriors and Jordan Poole scoring 38 points. The Warriors scored 16 straight points in the second quarter against the Nuggets. Come back. They win the game. They actually win the game by 20 points. Uh, they're up 2-0 in the series. Should a team like Memphis or the Timberwolves be concerned if they make it out? Honestly, I thought Golden State going in, I was concerned. If you listen to our past shows, past few episodes, we've been talking about NBA, you know, playoffs, that thing. I was concerned with Steph Curry's health, you know, Klay Thompson, you know, Draymond Green's missed pretty much most of the year. But what we didn't talk about, what we failed to talk about was that they still had Andrew Wiggins, who somehow made the all-star team. He was good, but... To be a starter, not sure about that one. And then, obviously, the big guy, the most improved player, in my opinion, Mr. Jordan Poole. Dude's taken off this year. He's averaged pretty much 19 points the entire season. He scored 38 yesterday. And I think with the Warriors, they're in, like, a very interesting place. They're not rebuilding, obviously. They're in the playoffs. But they're one of those teams where I feel like as Curry, Thompson, and J. Wong Green continue to get older, the Warriors have like a nucleus in place to actually have maybe somewhat of a sustained run here for at least making the playoffs. You know, you have Jordan Poole, you know, they drafted Moses Moody last year, drafted Jonathan Kuminga. They both have high upside, really high upside. And, you know, you have Jordan Poole, too, who's like 23 years old. I was thinking he was 27, 28. He's only 23. So that's crazy to even think about. So the Warriors, they've been good. As far as drafts go, although maybe not the James Wiseman pick, they probably should have got Lamelo Ball. Honestly, if they would have had Lamelo Ball right now, uh, dude, I would I'd pick him to win the championship. I mean, forget the Phoenix or uh, Memphis, I'd take the Warriors. That would be ridiculous. Back to the original point, Golden State, they're down to the Denver, and then they come back and of course they win pretty convincingly. I thought Denver was gonna give them a series, but I did say Nikola Jokic would have to average over thirty. He would have to give you like pretty much a triple-double every game, and he hasn't really done that. He's been great, but he needs to be extraordinary. But 26-10 and 10 is not good enough uh, to beat the Warriors, who are really deep, and they have a bunch of guys that can get you in different ways. And, you know, if Aaron Gordon is your second-scoring option, um, you're not going to go very far. I mean, he's a nice rotational piece, but he's only giving you, what, 12, 13 a night. And if they had Jamal Murray at full strength and obviously Michael Porter, who's pretty much missed the entire year too, you know, maybe it's a different story. Maybe they push them to seven. Heck, maybe they even beat them. But it's just Denver might win one or two games at home. Nikola Jokic is probably going to have a monster game here the next game or two. But Nikola Jokic, I, I do agree. He's one of those players that loves to prove people wrong. And I think they're definitely going to take one at home. But like you said, this Warriors team, they're proven time and time again like, why they're consistently this good. They're consistently in the playoffs. Last year, if they didn't have the injuries, in fact, if they didn't have the play-in game, they would have been a playoff team. 
but they did lose in the play-in. Draymond had the lowest of lows in that last year's play-in game, if you remember the perfect setup by Steph Curry, and he didn't even draw iron. So, But this, I mean, last night, he was getting under Nikola Jokic's skin. Steph Curry obviously had 34 points. Jordan Poole had 38 points. Like you said, he's only 23 years old. He's been consistently the best player, one of the best players on this team. Klay Thompson was hurt when he was hurt. Jordan Poole was, it wasn't just Steph Curry. Granted, Steph Curry was great in the you know beginning of the season. But Jordan Poole really helped mold this team together, helped keep this momentum going before, you know, the team was fully healthy. Now, sadly, James Wiseman's been hurt constantly, so it would be crazy if they did take LaMelo Ball instead of Wiseman, but at the same time, I still think James Wiseman's going to be a good player for the team. It just, it's just been a misfortune in events of injuries. Overall, though, I definitely think that the Warriors, when they play like they did yesterday, there's not a lot of teams in the NBA that can beat this team, especially if you see Curry and Poole going off. And don't forget, they also have, like, Clay Thompson as well when he's healthy. And they also have Damian Lee coming off the bench. You have Otto Porter coming off the bench. Kevon Looney's a good defender. Draymond Green's a good defender. It's just a good overall team. And Andrew Wiggins as well. I know he may not, should have been, like, not a, a starting small forward in the All-Star game. But he definitely has proven that, you know, he is an All-Star it just we don't know if he's like a top ten player in the league, like top ten in the All Star game, but you know, still a really good team. Yeah, the Warriors to me they've experienced somewhat of a rebirth. You know, they lose to the Toronto. Obviously, Clay Thompson with the big time injury and Steph Curry pretty much worn out. Draymond Green pretty much worn out. Kevin Durant ruptured his Achilles, I believe, in that series too. And then we saw the year after. Curry got hurt, and that pretty much like derailed their entire season. They were pretty much they were awful. But like you said, they did get James Wiseman out of that. And then you know, once they got Curry back, Draymond Green was rough there. He had a rough two year stretch there where he was hurt. He was in and out. He just wasn't very good defensively anymore. And people were questioning whether he even had some left in the tank. And then no, this this year, Steph Curry, you know, once again had another great season. For the most part, but if you want to argue, he had a worse season from a three-point line percentage-wise. That's fine. But Clay Thompson comes back. He's shown he's still a capable scorer. Defense is eh, but you know as long as you can score points, I I don't think it really matters too much. Draymond Green showing that energy on defense, still making plays. He's not going to score you 30 points a game, but his game he's going to get you nine points, maybe eight rebounds, seven assists, and that is a Draymond Green style line for you. But that is enough to get the job done. And obviously, like you said, they have other contributions. Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be a tough out. Uh, Memphis didn't look so hot in game one against Minnesota. I think they honestly kind of took them for light, uh, lightly. And I think they paid for it. And I think they'll bounce back in game two and they'll win. But Anthony Edwards, once again, he's another budding star in this league. 36 points. Obviously, you know, you have D'Angelo Russell, who's a capable number three scorer when he's healthy. And then you have Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, who's been playing out of his mind here the past few months. But that should be a good series, I think. I definitely think it could go six or seven. And particularly, like, we talked about how they didn't match up well with the Timberwolves. Like I said about Steven Adams, like, Steven Adams is a great defender. But Carl Anthony Towns, he's proven that, other than Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, 
he's clear cut like the third best center in the league in my opinion. Honestly, you can like he's he's just one of those centers that he is a difference maker. And there was a play in the game where he just completely bucked Steven Adams. I don't know if you guys watched it, but it was a pretty good clip, but they came to play. They came into Memphis and they, they took they took care of business. D'Angelo Russell had a good game, but like you said, Anthony Edwards, just a pure scorer. Uh whenever you need a bucket, he could give you a bucket. He was a one and done out of Georgia. Had a great rookie season last year. Uh, was very close to winning Rookie of the Year. But Anthony Edwards has proven that even though he didn't win Rookie of the Year, he's still one of those players that is a difference maker on the team. 36 points, great season, averaged over 20 points throughout the whole entire year last year. He's going to be a consistent 20-plus scorer for a very long time in this league. And speaking of that, Oh, did he have something to say about it? No, I was just going to transition to, um, you know, you talk about big games. Last night, Jalen Brunson from the Dallas Mavericks scored 41, and they beat the Jazz. I thought that was pretty impressive from my, uh, not Utah, but Dallas' standpoint. Once again, Luka didn't play. And don't get me sore on Luka. Um, Jason Kidd, I don't care what anyone says. He thinks he's a know-it-all because he's one of the greatest point guards of all time. There is no reason for him to be playing. I don't care. To lose your best player, that was just silly. And I'm glad they won yesterday because if they would have lost, they would have been toast. On Utah's side, Utah, they've maxed out their core. It's clear they're not going to win a championship with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. I think that's pretty clear now. Their their ceiling is a second-round team, and that's being kind. This team, Utah, should not be struggling. And I mean struggling to beat Dallas without Luka Doncic. I'm sorry. You know, you still have Rudy Gobert, Jordan Clarkson, Bojan Bogdanovich. I mean, you got talent on the roster. And there's just no excuse. And if they lose this series, I don't know. I don't know what you do. Utah is in that no man's land. They're not terrible, but they're not like a superstar team either. And they're not going to go very far when it comes to playoff time. They always have a good regular season record, but it's just it it's just not working out in Utah. And Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, they're still in their prime. So if you're Utah, I wouldn't want to blow it up because that Western Conference is brutal. And if you blow it up, you might not be able to get back into it for another four or five years. And we've seen with Sacramento, they struggle. Even with the play-in, they can't even make the play-in. So, you know, the Pelicans, I think they're about to go through the same thing. I don't think Zion's going to be there much longer either. Utah, is just, they're like stuck. Unless they somehow add like a superstar to their roster, I just don't see them really going anywhere this year or next year or the year after that, honestly. They're an interesting team because they were the clear-cut number one team last year. They were... The record-wise, number one, everyone else was below them last year. I think they were 60-22. and 22. You could check that for me. but Yeah, I don't know about that, but I do know they were, like, top two, top three in the West last year for, like, pretty much most of the year. And, like, once again, they, like, they faltered. They lost to the Clippers. They should have beat the Clippers. I, th- I think they were the two seed, Utah. They were the two or three seed. Oh, 52-20. Uh, and 20. So... I said 62 and 20, 52 They played like 72. Yeah, this, I forgot they only played 72. So that, that so. was a top – they were definitely a top three seed then. Yeah, so. they, but they were number one by by far in the yeah. lake. And, and I think they were they were leading the Clippers in the series, I think, last year, and they lost. That was probably their best chance to like maybe even win a chip if that was even possible, honestly. I went to see them in a game in Cleveland earlier in the year. Rudy Gobert is just – he's an incredible defender, but Jared Allen had his number that night because – Whenever he goes up against another center who's good defensively, you're lucky if he gets 10 points. That's the only issue is like, yeah, you have Donovan Mitchell, and you got good shooters in Bullion, and you have Joe Ingles. And, you know, the issue you have is I think teams just adjusted to this team because 
I mean, they're a great all-around team. I, I personally believe, like, when they're good, they're a great team. you got Mike Conley, Ohio State alum. you got Donovan Mitchell, who was really close to winning Rookie of the Year. Ben Simmons ended up winning it. And, yes, Ben Simmons was a rookie, but that's a topic for another time. you got Rudy Gobert. The team's solid. I think teams adjusted to them. And they haven't been able to get, on, get like, one of those runs. And basketball's a game of runs. When you win one game, you win the next. Consistency has just been an issue with them the whole entire season. I mean, they went from 20 losses to 33 losses. They went from the one seed barely seed. to the fifth seed. Yeah, so it just um, it just been a struggle for for the Jazz this year. I mean, if you ask anyone on their team, if you ask Quinn Snyder, how how did they feel about the season so far? They're gonna tell you it's been a terrible season, and I can guarantee that because. They have the talent to win. They have a complete roster. Their roster is complete. I mean, their their depth might be lacking just a little bit, but there's no reason this team should be a fifth seed. And honestly, after watching how the Mavericks played yesterday with Jalen Brunson with 41 points, if they have Luka Doncic the whole entire series, I think the Mavericks win that series. Oh, I told you in our last episode, you can go listen to that on our podcast platforms, I told you, if Luka plays, they should win the series. Cause oh, I, yeah, I, just don't, I agreed. I don't trust Utah. And it's not like Utah, like their main players had bad games yesterday. Donovan Mitchell had over 30. Rudy Gobert had 17 rebounds. And, you know, Bogdanovich had 24 points. So it's not like they just lost to the Dallas Mavericks and Jalen Brunson just had one of those WTF games. You know, I think it'll probably be a back-and-forth series. But I think if Luka, Luka comes back this round, I think that's the nail in the coffin. I'm going to take Dallas. I think, yeah, yeah if, if Luka comes back... They win, but I think he doesn't come back. I think Utah has it just because they have the depth, and they just Jalen Brunson's a great player, great for Villanova. He played all four years of Villanova, was a national champion twice. I just think it's one of those things. He's not going to score forty-one every game. No, I love him on Villanova, like him now. It's just one of those things where he's not going to score forty-one points every night. And if they don't have Luka Doncic, I still think Utah when they come back home will do a great job because when they're home, they're a different team. But speaking of good games, Brunson had 41, but in Game 1 of the Eastern Conference playoffs, Tyrese Maxey scores 38 points in the first game against the Raptors, has 23 in the second, Joel Embiid has 31 in the second game. They route the Toronto Raptors in Game 1 and 2. They're looking scary. Yeah, honestly, I I said... I thought Toronto would give them a fight. I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow managed to beat them too. But right now, it's not looking good, man. I mean, Philly, once again, Toronto was winning the first quarter. They actually outscored them, I believe, 33-32. to And then after that, Philadelphia pretty much outscored them pretty convincingly from there on out. Tyrese Maxey had another strong game, 23 points. Joel, the troll, and Bede had 31 points, 11 rebounds. Once again, another double-double for the future MVP. I'm I'm calling it right now. I think Joel Embiid's gonna win the MVP this year. James Harden was uh, meh. Um, he got lucky. They really didn't need him to play superstar level basketball yesterday. But I think with their win now, I think Philly now has a legit shot to challenge Milwaukee to win the East. I do. The X factor has to be James Harden. If James Harden is not giving you 25 points and close to 10 assists when it matters most, I mean, I, I think they'll beat Toronto now. But if he's not giving you that when they're playing like a Milwaukee or Brooklyn, they're not going to win. I, I, that's just how I feel. 
But if James Harden can play well, which he's shown he can play well, it's just he's just so he's just been so all over the place once he's left Houston. You never know what you're gonna get with James Harden. That's kind of been frustrating. But as far as that goes, Toronto didn't have Scotty Barnes either yesterday. He's probably their best defensive player. You lose your best defensive player, you're gonna be in trouble. They were in trouble regardless if he played or not. And uh, Philadelphia rolled by Toronto. You know, Toronto has great fans, so I expect games three and four to be tougher for Philadelphia. But I think they win this, this series maybe five games, maybe six, if uh, Pascal Siakam or Fred Van Vliet can have a crazy game. But, um, yeah, I think Philadelphia should win this series. I agree. And, yeah, I, I agree. Toronto, they're really tough at home. Plus, you still have OG and Anobi. You still have Pascal Siakam who had a great game yesterday. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, dude, was an underdog. I mean, this team is a bunch of underdogs, all into one team, really. So I do like the Raptors a lot. Uh, if they had Scotty Barnes, it'd be a little bit different. He's definitely a Rookie of the Year caliber player. In fact, I wouldn't be shocked if he won it, but with the injury at the tail end of the year, it's up for grabs right now. Yeah, I, I don't know who wins that. For the longest, I was saying, oh, it's Evan Mobley. It's, it's like not even close. But then, like, he got hurt, and then the last couple months, Cade Cunningham kind of took off, and he was playing really well. And then Scotty Barnes, like, towards the end of the year, he played really well too. So I think it's a toss-up. I think... I wouldn't be surprised if any of those three guys won it. I really wouldn't. I want Mobley to win it. I think he's still the best rookie like overall as okay. of right now. But with Cade Cunningham being that first like one of the first options on Detroit, I think he he it, it's up for grabs. Like right now, if you told me to pick, I'd have you put three things into a into a hat and have me pick it out of it. I think Evan Mobley did enough for the, from like towards the first forty to fifty games. I think he'll still win it. I do. Yeah, but then, then again, the media is so over all over the place. They might fanboy over Kate Cunningham, which don't get me wrong, is a good player. I think he'll be a star, but I wouldn't be surprised if he won it either. Yeah, I think Evan Mobley had the biggest impact because yeah, the Cavs went from a lottery team to a playoff team. Yeah, and so. they, if the playoff rules are normal, they're yeah. a playoff team. And if they also don't split the season series to the Pistons, they're a playoff team. But <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, I want to go back to Philadelphia. I definitely think, like, I last week I predicted that they'd beat the Heat in the second round as well. Like you said, James Harden's that outlier. I mean, you have their whole team's producing right now. Tyrese Maxey's been unbelievable. Joel Embiid's been unbelievable. Tobias Harris has 20 points. He's a great player on the Magic, was a great player before he, yeah, like, well before he came to the Sixers, he already established himself into this league with the Pistons. And uh, he, I think he played for the Bucks too. He did play for the Bucks. That's that was his wild, first though. team. Yeah, yeah that, that he went wild. from the Bucks to the Magic to the to the Pistons to the, the Clippers, Clippers to the Seventy Sixers. Yeah, I think that's yeah, how. It yep, went. that's how it went because he was in the Blake Griffin deal. Yeah, uh, he's been lights out for the past couple of seasons now. He's one of those players where he used to be like in a package for an All Star like Blake Griffin, yeah. and now he's kind of just like on the outside looking in. But once you really like sit and watch this team play, like Maxi, Harris, Embiid, I mean, I enjoy watching that team play. I I definitely think that they can make a run. Um, kind of moving on to some of our other two Eastern Conference matchups. Um, what a what a sloppy slugfest in uh, Milwaukee Sunday. I mean, they could barely score any points between the Bucks and Bulls. To me, the Bulls missed a golden opportunity there to steal Game One. The Milwaukee didn't have their best stuff. I mean, Giannis had like his typical 27 and 10, but Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday were not their usual selves. They weren't as productive. And the Bulls, you know, DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, their two biggest scores, 
they didn't play well enough. And as a result, I thought they blew an opportunity there to win game one. And I think Milwaukee is not going to play that that bad in game two. They're going to come out in front of their home fans. They're going to be ready to roll, man. And I think Toronto, not Toronto, I'm thinking of DeMar DeRozan, the Toronto thing. But Chicago, if they would have stole game one, I still would have take, took, taken the Bucks to win the series. But they might have gave them more of a fight. And I think now... It's that's a wrap. That was their that was their chance. I thought I thought they blew it. So if the Bucks only scored ninety three points, you need to win that game. I think they scored. They they scored ninety three. It was eighty three. It was ninety three eighty six. Okay. Yeah. But still, regardless, for the Bucks, that's not a lot of points. Like you have Giannis, you have Drew Holiday. I mean, even Bob, even I, I even like Bobby Portis when he scores a lot. So he could play. Bobby Portis is like averaging like fifteen this year. So it's not like he's just some like uh, bum. So. Bobby Portis can play. Great defender, too. That's why I think that they're a tough matchup against the, the Bulls because Drew Holiday, put Drew Holiday on Zach Levine. Zach Levine is better than Drew Holiday. I will mention that. But uh, Drew Holiday can slow him down. I'm going to disagree with you there. I think, oh, Drew, I think Drew Holiday, Zach Levine's a better scorer. I'll give you that. But I think overall Zach, player, he, he's I a better overall Drew, player, Drew but Holiday Levine can, has that yeah. impact offensively. He does. But I think Drew Holiday, defensively, he has an impact. I think he can score you twenty, but he's not like he's not he's not the kind of guy you know, that doesn't have to have thirty points to make an impact. Zach Levine has to score you thirty points to make an impact. Obviously, offense is still important. Don't get me wrong, but defensively, we saw it last year in the finals. Drew Holiday made a clutch steal to steal a game in Phoenix, to, and it was a catalyst to them winning the championship. So, I mean, Zach Levine's good, but he's not good defensively. He's not much of a distributor. And he's like a so-so rebounder. So, you know, Zach Levine's still an all-star player. But Drew Holiday, I think he's a better all-around player. He can facilitate. He can rebound when he wants to. He can score. He just doesn't get the rec- recognition he deserves because he doesn't put up flashy numbers. Steady, consistent, 17 points a game. That, that That's who Drew Holiday is. But I'd rather have him on my team than Zach Levine. He's been like that his whole career, too. Like for Philly, uh, for, uh, for New Orleans as well. If they don't make that Eric Bledsoe for Drew Holiday deal, they don't win. And, no, I completely agree. I'm just saying that Zach Levine offensively is, when he's when he's on, he can average 30 points a game. And that's that's the that's the issue. Is I was actually going to say I'm for Drew Holiday because he's one of those players that could take someone who averages 30 points a game and can limit them. And that's exactly what they did. They won 93-86 despite not playing good offensively. And Drew Holiday last year, he's one of those players. In the, in the finals last year, he did not shoot good at all. But his presence was known because of his defense. So what I'm saying is, yes, I think Zach Levine has that impact offensively. He's clear, he's the clear-cut all-star here. But Drew Holiday is just that all-around player. And when you put someone like Drew Holiday on Zach Levine, regardless of how good Levine's offense is, he's going to give the team fits. Like to me, if you switch the two players, so switch, uh, put Zach Levine on the Bucks and Drew Holiday on the Bulls. Um, I like the Bulls more, more so than the Bucks. I mean, I think the Bucks because they have Giannis, that'll probably override that whole theory. I just like him as an overall player. I think I think we're on the same page there. We're not really disagreeing, but like you know, Zach Levine, I you know Zach Levine could get you fifty any time, any game. So that's something that Drew Holiday can't do. <laughs> 
No, I mean I like both players. I don't I don't hate Zach Levine. I, you know he's he's a highlight real. They're too. both yeah they're both like incredible players. Uh, they're, they're both like top twenty twenty five thirty players. So I'm not I'm not trying to diss one or the other. It's just I just would rather have Drew Holiday because he offers more of like a skill set, and Zach Levine's is kind of more limited. I mean it's just outside of scoring. He's just there's still some things he probably should work on. But it doesn't mean he can't get better at at them either. So yeah, and I don't know. I just seeing Levine as the first option for the past couple of years. I think I'm thinking 2020, 2021 in particular. He was lights out. Zach Levine is a great player, but this Bulls team has just been second half of the season. They've been inconsistent the whole second half, and that's that's really hurt them. So and it's showing in the playoffs now. So I think what's really hurting them is they had an easier schedule and they were like blowing through teams like they were playing the Pistons and you know the the Knicks like those kind of teams they were beating those teams like pretty handily DeMar DeRozan was going crazy and you know he was getting 35 every night you know hitting buzzer beaters versus the Pacers he was an MVP candidate early first half of the season he was MVP hitting back-to-back buzzer beaters back-to-back games like stuff like that it was just like over the top I knew at some point the Bulls they were going to be a playoff team that was never a doubt in my mind but there's going to be some drop-off. And I, I said the same thing with Cleveland. There's going to be some drop-off at some point. And sure enough, when Chicago would play the big dogs, like the Brooklyn's, the Chicago, um, I was going to say Chicago, the Brooklyn's, the Phillies, the the Milwaukee's, that they just they can't compete with them. Their two best players, Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, they're not on the same level as a Giannis or a Kevin Durant or a Joel Embiid. They're very, they're, they're all-star players. But there's a difference between being an all-star player and being a superstar player. Superstar players move the needle, and they are the difference between winning a series and losing a series, in my estimation. And Giannis, once again, he's that X factor. He's the best player on the floor by a wide margin. And when you have someone that powerful and that dominant, it's just hard to contain. And you that's why you need stars to win in this league. And that's why I'm going back to Utah. They don't have that presence. Donovan Mitchell, you know, he's, he's a good – he's a solid player. But, I mean – Rudy Gobert, defensive player of the year, but it's just it's not enough. You need to have like a superstar. And those guys, they're all stars. There's a lot of all stars in this league. But when you have superstars, you have a shot to win a chip. Phoenix has superstars. Brooklyn has superstars. Boston has a superstar and an all star. So I mean, those are Golden State too. They have a superstar. And Boston they, also has the defensive player of the year, yes, Marcus they do. Smart. Yeah, don't forget about that. Marcus Marcus Smart too. Like those teams, those are teams I'm looking at. I'm thinking, man, that, that they can legitimately win a championship. When I look at like a Chicago or a Denver or a Utah, okay, Denver is kind of an outlier because uh, Jokic, but they're missing player, players. But those Jamal teams, Murray too, yeah, Jamal yeah. Murray. But those teams, they're just good. And there's a lot of good teams in the NBA, but you need to be great to win. And Memphis, Phoenix, Golden State, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Boston. Philly, those are like the teams I'm looking at right now. I'm saying, man, that that's a that, that's a team that can legitimately win a chip right now based off how they're playing, and all those teams are playing well so far. Once again, outside of Memphis, they had a pretty rough game one, but I think they'll bounce back. Like you said about superstars, though, Minnesota Timberwolves beat the 55 win Memphis Grizzlies. They have a superstar, Carl Anthony Towns. It oh, just yeah. shows you. It just shows you when you have a superstar. Here's another superstar for you, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I didn't even mention him. So. Kyrie Irving was incredible in in that game against Boston. In fact, I think they should have won that game, but they sided the fold at the last second. But anyways, I mean, you know, he had that clutch shot. You know, they go up 114-111. All of a sudden, Celtics score. 
get a stop, Jason Tatum buzzer beater layup. They went in. They almost went into Boston, and if they would have won that game, I think they, that they could take home the series too. After that, I mean, I know it's just one game, but they could have been riding momentum going into game two. If you take one game at home that or on the road, that is so essential, especially coming back to the Barclays Center with all those fans finally being allowed back and having Kyrie Irving back. If they would have won that game, they would have been really set for the series. And now you have to go on the road again in a in a rockin' TD garden with Jason Tatum playing out of his mind. You have Jalen Brown on that team. I really like what I've been seeing out of Derek White defensively. I mean, he can obviously score as well. I really like that Boston Celtic team. I said that they need to win this series. Pulling out that win a couple years ago when these players were rookies, that's not a game they'd win. And they're proving that now Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are here to play. That win right there was huge because now you're back home. You won a game that you probably shouldn't have. You guys couldn't contain Kyrie Irving to save your life, but you guys still pulled out the win, and that was huge. So I want to go more, say, rapid fire here. Some of the series, I don't think there's really much to talk about just because who they're playing. Boston, not Boston, uh, Atlanta, Miami. Um, I thought Atlanta would give Miami a fight in game one, but that was like the exact opposite. You know, Trey Young didn't score 30 like we talked about. And he has as a result, they got their, you know what, uh, destroyed. And I think if Trey Young's not playing, you know, like I said, scoring 30 points every game, uh, good luck, Atlanta. Um, that's all I got to say. Miami's just too talented of a team. And of course, it doesn't help that Atlanta's missing. Who, who, who was it? Uh, Clint John Capel- Collins. John oh, Collins. Yeah, Clint- Capella left he, got, early. he got hurt uh, against Cleveland, too. So those are two big losses. So that, that's like. That's 30 points, 35 points you, you lost right there. So. And rebounding, too. Rebounding, too, yes. Oh, yeah. Both rebounding rebound. and defense. Capella's a better defender than Collins, but, yeah. like, still. But they, they're they losing a lot of points there and a lot of rebounds, like Tony said. And then the other series, we kind of touched upon it, but uh, Phoenix and New Orleans, That's I think it's going to be a four-game sweep. I do want to add Chris Paul is still a top-five point guard in this league. I honestly think, like, just overall point guard. No, you you can't. Just I think he still might be, like, the best in the league as just playing the point guard role. I mean, honestly, I can't disagree with you. I mean, I really can't. But, I mean, those are our – that's our two cents regarding the NBA playoffs so far. So we're recording this on Tuesday, so this won't be out till Saturday. So watch all of our predictions and statements be all uh, wrong by then. But, hey, that's, that's, part, of, that's part of making predictions. You're going you're gonna to win some and you're going to lose some. But I want to switch over to the Pirates real quick. So, but okay. So we went to the game last week. They uh they lost the series to the Cubs though, but they bounced back, winning two out of three against the Washington Nationals. All around team effort, pitching wise, timely hits, good defense, of course, by Kip Ryan Hayes. Wink, wink. And yeah, they were over five hundred there for like one day. <laughs> and you know, I hope people took a snapshot of that because that's probably the only time they'll ever be over. 500. Oh, I did. <laughs> in second place too, they were they were in last place. So that that'll probably be the one of the few times they're over five hundred the entire year. So I hope you you folks enjoyed that for a day. But yeah, they played Milwaukee yesterday, and you know, Diego Castillo in the lineup. What's he do? He hits a home run. Oh my gosh, Daniel Vogelbach, another two hits. He's not batting 333 so far. He's looking like the MVP so far, but that's just my opinion. But the the big killer was uh, Thompson being left in too long. Ended up giving up a grand slam to former MVP Christian Yelich, and that pretty much was the game there. And it didn't help that with runners in scoring position, the Pirates were 0 for 9. They left 9 men on base, and when, you, when you're 0 for 9, you're pretty much not going to win the game. And I know you had some thoughts regarding Derek Shelton, 
So I'll let you just tee off. He loves to leave these pitchers out way too long, or he likes to take them out way too early. Uh, forget Mitch Keller, seriously. I went to the game last Friday. That was terrible. Put him in the bullpen or send him down. There's um. I here's the thing. I like Mitch. I like Mitch. I don't know him as a person, and I do like his stuff. I think he's a really good. I think he could be a good pitcher, but right now he can't throw a first pitch strike. Uh, he can't locate. When he does locate, he gets teed off on. Put him in the bullpen. I'm sure he'll do better there. I mean, we're seeing players, you know, get moved into the bullpen. Like Chris Stratton had a career ERA as a starter, as like six, and now his ERA is consistently under four as a reliever. When you can, I mean, look at Carlos Martinez was solid as a reliever. I mean, when you get put into the bullpen, there's nothing wrong with it. But that's besides the point. I want to talk about Derek Shelton leaving out Zach Thompson to dry. It's a 2-1 game. You need to go to the bullpen in this situation. It's the third time around the order. This team's seen you three times. And, yes, Christian Hillich has been has been nowhere near as good as he was in 2018 and 19, the last two seasons. But when he sees you a third time, he's going to make you pay. It's a grand slam. And I, I'm just I'm sick and tired of seeing him leave pitchers out there because when you're in the lineup a third time around and you're in trouble, you, you a team like the Milwaukee Brewers are going to absolutely destroy you. I mean, their whole lineup is it's just a bunch of, of veteran players. I mean, you got Christian Yelich, Andrew McCutcheon, Hunter Renfro's in that lineup. Willie Adamas has absolutely raked the ball last season. You can't leave pitchers out to dry. You need to go to the bullpen in that. The Pirates' bullpen has been, honestly, the highlight of this team so far has been the bullpen. I mean, Bednar's been good. Ronzi Contreras has been great. I mean, the whole bullpen's been solid. Dylan Peters, he's another starting, perfect example. Starting pitcher, wasn't great as a starter, moved to the bullpen. And he's pitched good. That's to the Mitch Keller point. My point is, I was at a game last year. It was against the Cleveland Indians. You're up 11-3 to in the game. You leave Sam Howard out there. Not a lot of rest. You leave him out there with the bases loaded. He's clearly There's clearly something wrong with Sam Howard here. And you find out after the game he's hurt. So you left a hurt pitcher on the mound in an 11-3 game. Cesar Hernandez hits a grand slam. And they almost come back and win that game. I mean, he mismanages literally everything. He mismanages. I mean, look at the lineup. For example, I'm looking at their lineup right now. Cool Tucker's batting 194, but he's had more starts than Michael Chavis. He's batting 450. Or like you put, I know they won the Easter game, but why is Cool Tucker playing instead of Key Brian Hayes or like a, or a Brian Reynolds? Like I I had high hopes for Cool Tucker. I hope he could turn it around, but he just can't hit, and you can't steal first base. Yeah, I would say with Cole Tucker, I mean, I think a lot of people have made it known you just can't hit. But I would say the one thing is just maybe give him a month. Maybe we'll have a really hot, you know, May or June. Maybe we'll take off. I don't know. I don't I don't know what you do with him. I think you just cut bait with him, honestly. But your Mitch Keller point, though, you have to keep throwing him out there. Right? They've already sent him down. And clearly, once he goes down, he just starts turning into the Mitch Keller we think we're supposed to get. He st- strikes out 10 guys every game. And he looks dominant in AAA because he's better than most of the competition down AAA. But it's the big leagues. He can't get over the hump once he gets to the big leagues, and that's a problem. I don't know if it's a – it's probably a mental thing, honestly, because like you said, when he's ahead in the count, like 0-2, 1-2, he, he finishes the deal most of the time. But when he's like 
those 2-0 pitches, those 3-0 pitches, it's like once that happens, it's like, oh, man, the floodgates, here we go. He gives up three runs and five runs here, and it's just another disaster piece. But Mitch Keller has too much talent for them to give up on him now. I said this in past episodes, and I'm going to say it again. You cannot give up on Mitch Keller yet. Tyler Glass now had a lot of the same issues he did, up and down, couldn't command the strike zone. Next, you know, he's giving up three or four runs for uh, for one inning. They sent him down. He looks dominant again. They call him back up. It's the same thing. If you're going to trade him, my my one piece of advice is don't trade him to Tampa Bay, please. Please don't trade him to Tampa Bay. Because if he goes to Tampa Bay, he's going to be a Cy Young winner. Because they have a heck of a pitching staff and um, talent development there in Tampa Bay. They fleeced the Cardinals when they traded for Randy Rosarino. They fleeced the Pirates. Well, maybe they didn't fleece them now. But they got two years of good production out of Austin Meadows and a couple good years of production from Tyler Glass now that the Pirates seemingly couldn't get with him. So, But that's that's more than the Pirates can say that they've done with those two players. I think you stay the course with Mitch Keller. Keep throwing him out there. If he gets his butt lit, lit up, so be it. You're, you're a rebuilding team anyway. It's not like you have guys to throw in replacement of him unless – you want to do the smart thing and actually start Ronzi Contreras, which, once again, shut out innings. I don't know why he's not starting. I mean, what are you waiting for? Does he need, like, a, a binky, like a bib? Like, I'm, I'm confused. Like, he's probably their best starter they have, and he's in the bullpen. That's a head-scratcher to me. These guys don't last more than four innings. And when you do that every game, you're going to tax your bullpen. <laughs> and we're, like, not even in May yet. And this bullpen, I'm telling you, is going to be gassed by the time the summer hits because these guys can't go more than five innings to save their life. For once, can someone go six innings, please? Any pitcher, I don't care who it is, can you go six innings without giving up seven runs? Like, it's even the worst teams have a pitcher that has a good game from time to time. Like, I mean, this is just, it's, they have no pitching. Let's just be real about it. Their offense, um, it's going to be a hit or miss. I think that's what I'm starting to, that's my impression. They look good in, against Washington, but, you know, Milwaukee, like I said, 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position. That's part of baseball. You're going to have good games offensively. You're going to have bad games. But they need to be better pitching-wise. And if they want to be competitive and they want to say we're not the same old Pirates, like I keep hearing them say year after year, uh, they need to be better pitching-wise. And the manager needs to be better too, like you've been saying. So I know I rant on here about the Pirates every week about how they're, they suck in X, Y, and Z. Don't want to do that. It's not really. I don't think it's very productive. We know they're not going to be very good this year. That's been that's been established well in advance. But you know, pitching wise, it just has to be better. I'm sorry. And yeah, I I mean that's what I'm. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Though is the starting pitching. That bullpen's bailed them out. I mean they're five and five. I I've actually been pleasantly surprised with some of the offensive production. I'm not surprised with Chavis because, I mean, he had 18 home runs two seasons, or in 2019. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Brian Reynolds, lights out still. Key Brian Hayes, he's having a, I mean, a solid year so far. Daniel Vogel, Vogelbach's been great. He's having a comeback season so far. But I did want to go back to that Mitch Keller point because, I mean, I know you said, like, to keep throwing him out there, but there's so many instances where, so Tyler Glass now is traded at 24. Mitch Keller's in a different scenario now. He's been given more work than Glass now. Glass now, I mean, this is now since 2020. Mitch Keller has been out there for this is his third season now, and they've given him more than enough time 
And like I said, don't trade him because he still has the stuff. He still has the potential. Like you said, he still has the stuff and potential to be good. But he's 26. He's getting to that point where you're starting to hit your prime. I just have some examples right here of players that were starters that went into the bullpen. Carlos Martinez got hurt, comes back for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals as a reliever, does a great job. Ian Kennedy, uh, I know he's not a great reliever, but he literally saved his career by becoming a bullpen, uh, a pitcher in the bullpen. My, the most notable is probably Wade Davis. Without Wade Davis, who knows if the you know the Royals won that World Series? Or like he was on the Cubs the next year too. Zach Duke was a reliever. Uh, he became a reliever. He ended up having a better career outside of the Pirates because of his relief pitching outside of there. I guess you could call Bud Norris. Uh, you know Daniel Norris too. Daniel. Hudson, another good reliever, was Seth Lugo. He was a starter as well for the New York Mets back in 2016. Was a failed starter. Uh, Robert Gazelman, too. Uh, one up, and then, like, the most notable for me is Nestor Cortez, who is a former Seattle Mariner. Comes over to the Yankees, gets put into the bullpen. Was one of their best bullpen pitchers last year. I mean, Nestor Cortez is a starter. Came up as a starter. Wasn't good as a starter. Goes to the Yankees, becomes a reliever, and now he pitches the game of his career against the Baltimore Orioles now that he's a starter again. So it just, a season in the bullpen can change your whole career around. And John Smoltz became one of the best closers, comes back as a starter, ends up being one of the best starters of all time. So it's just one of those things where there's nothing wrong with going into the bullpen. If you look at the examples before you, and as long as you don't have an ego when he gets sent into the bullpen... Should be able to turn it around. But overall, I just want to talk about the Pirates one more time. It's not going to be an amazing year this year. Uh, but at the same time, I think the hitting is a lot better than last year. You need to get Marisnik in that lineup more often. Mar- I'd rather Marisnik than Tucker. Honestly, he's a more legit outfielder. I think Hoy Park has been a disappointment. I think Yoshi is just a little bit inconsistent. But other than that, I've liked Chavis so far. I liked Hayes and Reynolds. So, yeah, good start to the season. 5-5 five and five for the Pirates. Usually you don't expect to start like that. But just a side note before we end the show, Nestor Cortez Jr. actually threw an immaculate inning Sunday against the uh, Orioles. I saw that. I saw the highlights of that. Pretty cool stuff because that does not happen very often. But to wrap up the show, though, as always, Tony, you know, thank you. Thank you, Justin. This is always a blast. And thank you to all our loyal listeners out there. I know there's a few of you. I know Tony has some cool friends that listen to his show, some family too. But any family or friends that listen to my show, I greatly appreciate it. It's much appreciated. Don't don't get it twisted. Um, It's great to have people listen and give us feedback and say that they like our show, which I I like to hear that kind of stuff. But as always, if you have uh, uh, constructive criticism too, that would always help as well with me. So, you know, I'm always trying to get better as like a broadcaster but to wrap up the show if you want to listen to this episode or past episodes go on apple podcast spotify google podcast youtube or wherever you get your podcast for antonio rossetti i'm justin stewart we'll see you next week for episode eight of the rossetti and stewart podcast